0: Welcome to another edition of the Intersection Podcast, coming to you from the Scheller College of Business at Georgia Tech. I'm your host, Leo Haig. I'm a first year MBA student at Georgia Tech, and I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Mason Hinkley. Mason is a business administration major here at Scheller, and he's just rounding out his junior year is concentrating in strategy and innovation with a double minor in mechanical engineering and industrial design. Plenty of good topics That's for him right. to get stuck into there. <laughs> um, but you also, Mason, you are keeping very busy outside the classroom as well. I know you've already started your own company and you're an active participant in the Georgia Tech Invention Studio. And if you don't know what that is, that is a space open to students here to prototype new products and solutions. And it's the largest student run maker space in the United States. And in that vein, Mason, today we're going to be talking about the metaverse and continuing that series we've been running here at Sheller. So we're going to be discussing some of the most exciting exciting new technologies that are emerging around the metaverse and what the future could look like as these new capabilities converge. And they I know this is something that you're particularly passionate about, and you've done a lot of research and thinking into this topic, so I'm definitely looking forward to jumping into that with you. But first, it would just be great if you could say just a few words to introduce yourself and say what you've been up to since starting your business administration major here at Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. Uh, You pretty much hit all the highlights, but I'm third year here at Tech. So I've been spending my time since kind of getting here and working on my major and working, make do my build my own major version of myself, you know, doing the whole three pronged like disciplines with industrial design, ME and plus business. I'm really trying to set myself up for tech entrepreneurship. Um, the metaverse has been a topic of interest of mine for years now. And I've really kind of loved how it's blown up in the media recently. And it's been a great opportunity to learn more about it as other people do and really try to share my knowledge and my perspective on it. So thanks for having me.
0: Oh, no, it's a pleasure. And I mean, it's great to see that you're able to kind of leverage so much of the resources here yeah, at Georgia yeah. Tech on that, Jenny, as well. I mean, you're certainly someone who's been keeping very, very busy in your three years here. I so, my best. yeah, well, I appreciate you making the time for you. But, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. You know, it is, there's a lot of hype around the metaverse at the moment. And I think what we want to do at Tech is tap into minds such as yourself who are looking at this, you know, really from a future capabilities perspective and really thinking, you know, largely about. know in the next 10 20 years you know how can you have a career in this or you know how can we use these technologies to get some really exciting new capabilities but at the outset you know I just kind of wanted to take a step back and just think well there's lots of different aspects of the metaverse and it means different things to different people when we're talking about the metaverse kind of what are you thinking of like how do you define that
1: right I think the metaverse can be defined as a lot of different things especially now like with the terms being thrown out there to describe you know, who knows what. When I think about the metaverse, I kind of think of it as the next stage of the internet. Right now we go online and we, it's just like a flat screen and that's like Wikipedia or whatever you pull up. I think of the metaverse as the next stage in experiencing that information, of interacting with it. Like your ability to harness all the data, all the information available to you online that people all around the world have put together and being able to experience it in different ways. Whether that's through extended reality with VR, or AR, or even through just... Uh, cryptocurrencies blockchains all that
0: yeah there is certainly a lot of um, different technologies isn't there that's all kind of converging at the same time they really are a lot of different aspects of that that different people are pulling on but i think you know one of the things that you've mentioned and and seen some of the stuff that you've written about before is like the the convergence of this i think is Mm -hmm. what's truly exciting and how do we leverage different pieces of that to create new capabilities and as you say bring totally step out of the kind of 2D reality that the internet that we've grown up with to something entirely different and much more immersive. But give us from a personal perspective, Mason, you know, what kind of attracted you to start looking into the metaverse to begin with?
1: Mm, That's a good question. It really kind of started with my interest in kind of reading and literature and cinema um, when I was growing up. You know, we started with, in 2008, like Iron Man 1 came out. And Tony Stark has his, like, just Jarvis and he's speaking to him in his Iron Man suit. It's all so cool and there's so much technology going around. And then you combine that with like Radio Player One, the book by Ernest Cline, where he describes this dystopian world where everything's virtual. Everything is kind of about this game online and in VR and that the real world is subpar to the virtual. And that kind of launched me into this like, wow, like is this possible? Where are we going? And then kind of COVID hits and the entire world goes online and right. everyone's like, oh, wow. Like, this is a thing. And that's kind of where that my interest started and has continued
0: in. I know that you've been really leaning into that since. And in some of your stuff outside of Georgia Tech, I know that you've been kind of interning and looking into the like, AI space and how that can be leveraged in those capabilities. So I know this is something that you've really immersed yourself in now. But just on that note... How are you kind of engaging with the metaverse currently like are there kind of consumer aspects that you get involved with you know maybe like on the gaming side or is it more kind of on the on the business and the potential that particularly interests you
1: i'm definitely a consumer of the metaverse you could say i think we're a long way way of where i want us to be mm-hmm. where i want to be consuming but in short i was the first person in my family to get the little cardboard vr set where i put my phone in and you just you get so motion sickness that you can barely handle it that was five six years ago and then now we have Oculus, and I've gotten the new version of that every year. You know, it's not really what I want from it, but experiencing it is how I feel. like I can really foster my creativity and what we do. And so to wrap that up, I'm really trying to figure out where my niche is. Like, where do I belong? What am I going to push forward in this? Where is my impact going to happen? So it is primarily now from the business perspective, from the creativity and the innovation perspective. But as long as I can remember, I've been trying to push this.
0: And I think that brings me nicely onto kind of what I really wanted to dig into today with you, because I know that you're someone who likes to think, you know, like long term about where could we take this technology and reflecting on things like Oculus and those different kind of consumer developments, but thinking, OK, well, if we're going to apply these in different scenarios and different settings, you know, if we're doing business in 20 years time, what right. does that look like? So I wanted to ask you, you know, which of the, you mentioned a bunch of technologies um, right at the start, and we, we're seeing lots of development in all those areas. Areas. But which kind of technologies do you really see coming to the fore as companies and startups continue to accelerate their focus on this?
1: I really kind of break down the metaverse into three main technologies. And that's going to be extended reality, like I mentioned earlier. And this is going to be like your augmented reality, which would be you hold up your phone and IKEA like displays their couch on the ground. And that's kind of a rudimentary version of it. But um, it's what we have now. And then you have virtual reality, which would be like the Oculus. And, like You put it on, you're in that virtual world. And then there's going to be mixed reality, where there's a bit of both. And like that's really what I've dove in, like writing a lot of things about the overlay effect, something we can talk about a little later. And then number two would be the blockchain technology and how you can decentralize something and connect an entire world based on this, these different blocks on a chain that are autonomous and they work themselves and that really are almost impossible to hack. I mean, nothing's perfect, but it's as good as we have right now. Yeah. And then the third thing would be AI and the ability to expand that into general intelligence which is more advanced it can reason it can think um, not quite the super intelligence that we're all afraid of on the movies but we can still make an, it can fill in the gaps of and save a lot of time for us and allow us to move forward you know if extended reality blockchain and ai move forward i think the metaverse will too
0: yeah And I think you mentioned there the overlay effect as well. And that was something that I definitely wanted to dig in with you because, you know, when I was thinking about metaverse and the interesting topics and things that we could discuss today, that was definitely one that stood out to me. So what does the overlay effect mean to you, Mason? And how do you see that kind of coming to fruition in, you know, for, for individuals and businesses in the future?
1: Right. So the overlay effect is, you read my, my I did, I
0: did, it. and I, we can definitely give that a plug <laughs> when it, uh, to come out with the podcast because it is, it is well worth a read and definitely walks through kind of all the different technologies that you just mentioned there and how they all converge. So we will make sure um, when that is finished off um, Mason and, and is ready for publication that we put that <laughs> out alongside the podcast because it is well worth a read. Um, but yeah, you can give us a, a sneak peek now by kind of talking us through the overlay effects that you mentioned in that piece.
1: Okay, okay. Thank you, by the way. Um, the overlay effect kind of defines the goal of the metaverse and the goal of this next stage of the internet. And it describes like how can we utilize the full benefits of a virtual world and interacting with all these new technologies while also reaping the full benefits of a physical world. You know, I feel like if, if we move into a virtual world and we leave it all behind, like in to Player One, it kind of creates this giant gap between you know, first worlds like living in this virtual space and like preferring it over the real world. And that develops it ignorance towards the problems of the world that we were trying to solve in the first place and if we grow up in that like many of us have on in the internet and it's also created that gap we will ultimately lose ourselves and lose a generation to this virtual world so the overlay effect is all about how can we converse these two things in a way where we are maximizing ourselves as humans as innovators and in our creativity and connection across the world without losing ourselves in the process
0: and I think that's a really nice way of thinking about it, because I think a lot of the concerns of, of, around the metaverse, when people are probably not using it, you know, as as you are, for example, like, you know, you're already dabbling with Oculus and those types right, of things. Right. But I think people kind of see it only through that lens, right, which is, oh, well, people will now just be disappearing off. You know, they'll be waking up at 9am and instead of, you know, logging on and doing work, they're just going to stick on their VR headset, living there for yeah. 12 hours a day and we'll, we'll <laughs> never get them back. But I think, you know, what you're talking about is like a much better use case of it, which is, well, how do we, you know, augment what we have today and improve that and use technology to kind of, improve our like just the normal reality that we're in now and I know in the piece that you've written you were talking about like the virtual meeting aspects of that where you could be meeting with a business contact from a totally different continent on a different time zone but they're almost in the room with you so you know instead of like just interacting them through a screen as we do at the moment that you can have them in a hologram in the room with Mm. you live is actually a much better way of meeting, but you're still in, in the in the real world as it were, you're just using these kind of metaverse aspects to enhance that. So I thought that was a really, really good and, and interesting concept. And and on those kind of like ethical issues as well, I know that's something that you've been thinking about in particular. But do you kind of see, you know, these metaverse capabilities as kind of more down that route you know it will be augmenting what we have today rather than people running off and disappearing or do you think there might be those aspects as well it's just going to be up to the consumer to decide how to leverage that
1: well I mean ultimately it's going to come down to the consumer you know in economics we have the invisible hand the Adam Smith coin it's where the market will decide what the best route or that works for everyone on its own and it'll stabilize itself and I think that's the same way this is going to go you know the consumers will ultimately figure out where the money is made how it's best made. And then between a little bit of regulation, and people pushing in different directions, it'll stabilize itself in a way where hopefully we don't prefer the virtual world over the real one. But ideally we can reap some incredible benefits and creativity and connection through it and apply it to where we are now. And ethically it gets a little spotty because these are decisions that have never been made. You know, we look at Meta and Mark Zuckerberg and the decisions he's making. You know, I don't agree with all of them, but it's hard to say he's doing it wrong when if you're in his shoes, what is he able to reference in terms of making these decisions? There are no precedent to this, um, and really, really comes into data and how you use it. And are you choosing money or impact at some point? Like you got to make that decision.
0: And on that note, what kind of things would you like to see done differently with companies at, at the moment? I think, you know, you, you mentioned there, there's some great innovation taking place and you have entrepreneurs who are really pushing the boundaries. And that's probably kind of what we need, right, to right. really explore these capabilities. But are there things that you'd like to be seen being done differently from like an ethical or a business perspective just to make sure that we as you say, you know, use this technology to have the best kind of impact on society as possible.
1: This is a bit of a point of conflict for me when I think about this, because on one hand, we need companies like Microsoft, like NVIDIA, not like Meta to be pushing this, because their resources and their abilities are incredible and accepting, like they can do things, create things that we never imagined possible. But the counterpart to that is it kind of suffocates the innovation of of young entrepreneurs or people with new ideas and their ability to create and really contribute to this is limited as they just got bought, bought right up either as competition like to either minimize competition or to catch their technology before it really takes flight and we need to foster that yeah. and we need to push that forward and although when it comes to the decisions that these big companies are making and the capability they have with our data and controlling it and really being a monopoly kind of like what amazon's been for the world like kind of monopolizing shipments and monopolizing online shopping Like that's what These companies are searching for online and if we can minimize their ability to hold full control and make a few decisions that affect a lot of people and then bring up a lot of creative innovation that's really where the balance is going to be
0: yeah i think you made a really interesting point there around the data as well because Yeah, from a startup perspective, if you're trying to train AI Mm. and those sorts of things, data is so powerful for that because that's the only way that you're going to get the, you know, you're going to train the AI effectively. You need a very diverse and broad set of data to do that. And it is difficult if only a certain, number of companies are only able to tap into that so there might be ways that you could think you know could this data be anonymized and shared and and companies tap into that to create new capabilities for them and make sure that as many people as possible can try out new technologies and, and bring those to market but on that note as well you you mentioned some companies that are really investing heavily in the metaverse at the moment do you kind of envisage a winner of the metaverse space a bit like oh, we've gosh. seen with, with social media where um you know meta as a company has you know well i mean actually it's probably a little bit more contestant that you could say with snap is, and, yeah. and, and TikTok because Meta was obviously dominant there for so many years, but now it seems a little bit more contested. But have you seen anyone doing this really well so far that you think might have a bit of a head start and, and might emerge there, or do you think it's very much a contested space where the future's yet to be written?
1: Well, I think there's a big difference in what I see companies having a head start and what I see them doing well. Yeah. And I would say that Meta has an extraordinarily head start. But in terms of companies doing it really well, they do do a lot of things well. I look at Nvidia's and their Omniverse, which is, in case you're not aware or the people listening to this aren't aware, is kind of this collaborative platform where designers and developers can come together and like their own little server um, collaborate and build something at the same time. And it's very R&D and for like a very niche group of people, but I love the idea. It's okay, how can we use this new Metaverse idea and collaborate and create? Whereas Meta is using this, although to create such an extraordinary experience for users and Um, to commercialize it they're also sacrificing that and what kind of TikTok is all like they're all going for after data yeah and uh, you talked about like the training ai all that and that's fascinating and there's like now we have synthetic data from companies like scale ai and that can create the data sets so you don't need all the data you just need a little bit that's all another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well that's the thing it's such a broad topic isn't it there's definitely many many different routes that you can go down. But no, I think that's the collaboration aspects um, that you mentioned there is something you know that I think is really really exciting particularly you know for people who are kind of undergrad you know business majors at the moment or even kind of MBAs like myself is we're probably going to have to get used to a very different way of collaborating yeah. and, and managing products to you know that was even seen over the last 10 years, and, and we need to be relaxed and, and comfortable with that and, and really lean into it and the whole collaboration side and open innovation and, and those aspects. so um, just before we wrap up, Mason, um, I wanted to ask you just from like a Georgia Tech um, perspective, it'd be great if you could touch a little bit more on kind of your work with the you know in the makerspace here at Georgia Tech mm-hmm. and are there ways that you're seeing you know either through your studies or even through like extracurricular activities where you can just lean into the metaverse topic and play around with new technologies and think about how you might use those in your future career or just you know, just as a consumer in your free time or, or when you graduate.
1: Right, I love that. Yeah. And at Georgia Tech, I definitely have invested a ton of my time into doing that. I'm on Exec for the Avenger Studio, like we mentioned earlier. One of my main jobs is expansion. So, like, how can we expand this space to include a lot of other people and how can we bring them all together as a pool of talent, creativity, and give them a lot of opportunity, kind of through like X or whatever... Entrepreneurship, all of that. How can we make George Tech and the students in it and the brilliance that we have here and let them just go and just give them what they need? Like, you go, do your thing. And we're doing that right now. We're creating several new makerspaces on campus. We're going to try to connect them in between. CreateX does a great job with that. They like, okay, they critique our ideas. Like, this is how you start a company. This is what you're going to do. It's the blockchain club that I'm involved in. I mean, we have people looking to fund startups out of that. And that's pretty incredible. But for any George Tech student or any student at another university, you just eventually just have to start something. Just go out and look. I like this. I want to be part of this. What's the closest thing I can find to it? And how can I leverage that to make it better? And um, that's what I'm trying to do. If it doesn't work out, that's all right. But I'm going to give it my best shot.
0: Well, I think I'm very confident, Mason, that if you throw yourself into it, it's probably going to be successful. <laughs> um, but you mentioned... A couple of like great resources that are available to students at Georgia Tech and I just wanted to round out by just getting a little bit more detail on them for our listeners. So if I was to come down to one of the maker spaces here mm-hmm. at Tech that you're involved in, like what does that look like just from a student perspective? Like what could I get involved in?
1: Well I'm a guy, first off. So that's a great question <laughs> for me. We have several spaces on campus. I currently work for the M E one or mechanical engineering. It's not limited to mechanical engineering students, nor are most of the spaces on campus, but it's just in the interesting building. When you come in you can pretty much expect at any point to create anything you want. You know, if if you can build it with your hands, there's a really good shot we can help you do that. Students will come in and say, hey, I need this done for this class or in this reason or making this guitar. How do I do it? And I would be the person to say, Oh yeah, well we're gonna do it like this and let me help you with that. That's a pretty incredible thing. But really what makes it brilliant is the student run part. That faculty has almost no hand in it. And besides my job working with them to get us funding, which is a ton of fun and a lot of work. It's just us, and so it's, it's extremely nimble, and because has such high churn of students only being here for semesters on a semesterly basis. Decisions get made fast, and change is made really, really well. It's very dynamic, and that's probably the biggest part I love about it, and would recommend for anyone to come by and give it a shot, whether you join it or just make something. You have an opportunity to have a real impact because it just goes by so fast.
0: And you guys, you, know, I wanted to congratulate you because you 've done a fantastic job with it because the Georgia Tech Invention Studio is as we mentioned at the start now the largest it? of its kind in the United States, you know largest student run makerspace so it 's definitely a resource that is very unique to Georgia Tech and is a real kind of calling card call for our university, I think, for people who are. Entrepreneurial minded, and you know it can really taps into that side of the capabilities at Tech, but also the engineering as well. So I think it's a fantastic resource that's available there for our students. But I do really appreciate you coming down and just yeah giving your take on the new technologies. that Thank you. Oh well, it's a pleasure having you. And yeah, good luck with the finals, and enjoy some time off over summer. Yeah,
1: thanks, Leo. I appreciate it. Thank you.